In today's episode, I'm speaking with Rebecca Self, Director of Sustainable Finance at South Pole. At South Pole, she advises clients in the financial services industry on ESG and sustainability disclosures. A big part of what South Pole does is helping clients with their carbon offsetting. Prior to joining South Pole, Rebecca oversaw HSBC's group-wide financial services relating to sustainable finance products, such as green bonds, ESG funds, and commercial lending related to sustainability. In addition, Rebecca was responsible for HSBC's external ESG reporting and investor relations, including the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures and corporate reporting on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. If you want to know more about carbon offsetting, this episode is for you. Welcome to Reset Mindset Podcast, showing you how companies are combining sustainability and profit today. We believe everyone has a responsibility to innovate for a better future. So if you are looking for inspiring stories to reinvent a sustainable future, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Reset Mindset Podcast. My name is Nora Stolz. I'm a corporate sustainability strategist and sustainable leadership coach based in London. I'm your host today, and I'm excited to be here with Rebecca Self, tuning in from Amsterdam. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. We're excited to have you. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm excited to be here, too. I'm doing very well, thank you. And you? Yes, brilliant. Rebecca, please tell us a bit about South Pole. What is South Pole? Uh, so South Pole is an organization headquartered in Zurich, about 500 people now, and it's focused on developing climate solutions for corporates, for other organizations, and also um, sourcing and verifying projects in the carbon offsets world. Um, it's about 500 employees now, as I said, I'm based in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And you joined South Pole a few years ago after many years at HSBC, which is one of the largest global banks. What was your motivation to join a relatively small organization such as South Pole? Yeah, so there were a few different motivations. Um, I'd been in the banking industry for two decades. Uh, so some of this was just looking for a bit of a change. Um, and also looking to work for a company where purpose, profit, climate action is really integrated into the entire company as a whole and its purpose. And South Pole is a B corporation, so it means it balances purpose and profit, and that runs through the company. Um, I think another driver for my move, um, I finished studying my master's at the University of Cambridge, which was part-time back in 2020, and that was in sustainability leadership. And during the two years where I was studying, I really began to think about um, the bias that I had, frankly, um, from working in the financial industry for so long, where quite often I was looking at different projects or investments through a really commercial lens, um, using dollar numbers, which you know, isn't necessarily incorrect, but it's not complete. And I think this bias was something I was quite conscious of and really wanted to, to overcome and see different, broader perspectives. Sounds fascinating. And I really like that you um, actually pointed out that South Pole is a B Corp. We are going to have a few 
episodes released on B Corps. So that's that's a wonderful example. And as a director in sustainable finance, how does a usual day look like for you at South Pole? And what excites you the most in your current role? Yeah, great question. Um, I do, overall, I do a fair amount of talking in the day. Um, I was actually looking at, at my calendar this morning, um, doing a little mini review of my day and what was going on. And I had about 10 meetings today. This is the 10th and the last one. Um, and to give just some examples, that includes meeting with my team, um, working on business development, so different markets we may uh, go out to and offer climate solutions. Um, looking at two sectors, one was sovereigns, or one asset class, I should say, um, and then the other was real estate to look at carbon emissions, um, upcoming trends and calculations and refining calculations. And I also had two client meetings. So these are clients in the financial sector um, where we were talking about climate action, new and up-and-coming disclosures. So lots of talking, lots of meetings and trying to uh, encourage people along their journey. And that probably leads me on to what excites me. And for me, it's really about making that change and hopefully feeling that impact. And some of that's, um, well, quite a lot actually, is through data and measurement. Um, some through people, and that's clients, my team. Um, and so to give some examples there, um, I think being able to share the knowledge uh, that I've accrued with my team is something that's really exciting. Also hear their ideas, bounce ideas off one another, um, try and get some of these good solutions in sustainable finance. Um, and then another on the measurement side, another example, it was really an exciting project to be part of. We worked as a research provider for a report released by WWF and Greenpeace. And this was looking at a methodology and an estimate of the UK's financed emissions for the financial industry. So the lending and investing um, emissions uh, associated with the UK. And the analysis is indicative, is estimated, uh, showed that if the UK financial industry was a country, it would be in the top 10 in the world. And its emissions would be 1.8 times the overall UK's domestic emissions. So That's some of these studies are super interesting as well. And then what's top of mind for your clients? Because you mentioned you work and you speak with a lot of financial um, organizations. What worries them the most? Um, there's a lot around measurement and data. Um, so I think that's a, that's a recurring theme. Uh, looking at, as I said, they're lending their investment books, having the data and the attributes to calculate carbon emissions. So this is the companies that they lend and invest to. So that, that's a big feature of the conversations we have. Um, another would be upcoming regulations. And as those regulations move to mandatory, so for example, there's the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. That's moving towards mandatory in the UK. So this is another big topic. And then in the EU, um, there's new mandatory disclosures such as the SFDR. So this is Sustainable Finance Disclosure Requirements uh, coming up next year. So this is another big feature, as well as obviously strategic commitments and other, other areas clients are interested in. 
what are the corporate roles you engage with? Are these boards? Are these CEOs? Are these chief sustainability officers? Are they policy, governance, lobbying um, people? So it's generally uh, mainstream institutions, all shapes and sizes. And I've also noticed quite a shift. Um, it used to be, back when I was at the bank, we'd be speaking to other uh, CSR people or sustainability departments. And quite often, sustainable finance uh, was a separate unit. Increasingly, with banks and then also with our with clients that we work with, um, this is moving to be much more integrated. So it means rather than speaking to a dedicated sustainability person, we'll be speaking to that person, but also portfolio managers, uh, CFOs, the, the chief risk officers of the organizations may be joining as well. And um, as this episode is especially about carbon offsetting, and I want to learn more about carbon offsetting, I thought I'm going to pick your brain um, as you're the expert. What is carbon offsetting and how does it work in practice? Yeah, and I, I have a, a, quite a number of clients who are real experts in this field, so I'll, I'll try and do a good job um, on their behalf. Um, so carbon offsets are projects typically in the developing world, um, that remove or absorb carbon um, or reduce carbon, put very simply. Um, and these projects can be all sorts of different things. So, for instance, it could be uh, reforestation, so put very simply, planting trees. It could be carbon capture technology, um, so technology solutions which take uh, carbon out, out of the atmosphere. Um, it could be moving to renewable energy um, or even cook stoves in developing markets where, um, for instance, cooking is completed in a less energy intensive way. So there's a whole variety of different projects. And once those projects are sourced, um, there's then a role which South Pole plays, which is to certify them, to verify them, um, and also to match those with demand because these projects are used by corporates, by individuals to offset their emissions. And there are a number of different standards. Uh, so for instance, uh, there's an organization called Gold Standard, which has the different standards and criteria that these projects need to meet, dependent on the type. There's also a registry called Vera, which is where the carbon offsets are registered. Um, and two really key elements um, with carbon offsets are to prove additionality. So they're really doing something additional that couldn't be achieved without them. Um, and then also to avoid double counting. Um, so if a project is removing carbon, it can't be claimed in more than one area. So they're, they're some of the considerations. And today, the carbon offset market is um, largely traded on spot. So that means today, um, a bit like a stock or share and, and looking at an index today, the publicly traded price. Um, but in the future, it's anticipated this market is going to scale by 100 times the size it is today in order to meet the goals of the, the Paris Agreement and what cannot be abated, what cannot be removed, sorry, reduced. Um, and so there's lots of initiatives around the governance of these offsets, um, looking at the standards and all of the work that's been achieved so far, um, but extending this even further. That sounds 
really fascinating to see how the financial industry um, will perhaps create more vehicles to reflect the growing demand in carbon offsetting carbon trading. And as the next question, what are the greatest challenges uh, that firms have to overcome with regards to carbon offsetting? You already mentioned a few around adherence to standards and so on, but how do companies perhaps find the right projects for them? Yeah, and here I'll maybe speak a bit more broadly. So offsets are a really crucial part of the climate action toolkit for companies. But there are many different actions which companies can take. Um, and they're not mutually exclusive. Frankly, based on where the world is today and the warming and some of the acute weather patterns that we're seeing, it's all hands to the deck. There's lots, lots and lots of action that needs to take place. Um, so some of the challenges and some of the considerations around these offsets, firstly, is around the measurement. And for companies really measuring, understanding their carbon emissions to the extent that they can and reducing them. And that means, for instance, could mean putting in new lighting, switching to LED, could mean uh, moving to renewable energy. It could mean analyzing your investment portfolio, portfolio and um, including new criteria around uh, only investing in companies that have a, a climate target, for instance. So decarbonization in those actions is a real key point. Um, and then offsetting what cannot be abated. Um, so once there's, uh, the decarbonization has been completed uh, and then there's the offsetting, um, there are many different ways to identify these projects. It can include going to a project developer such as South Pole. Um, looking on the markets as well could be another. Um, and also looking at potentially insetting as well. So there might be reduction activities that can be completed within the company. And there are plenty of carbon sustainability corporations and collaborative initiatives out there. You already mentioned a few many lack mandatory requirements for the time being. And one of the most recent one is a net zero asset manager alliance that came up here. Um, what is it and why should firms in that space sign up? Yeah, so there are many, many initiatives. Um, I think by the, the time I, I left the bank and I was looking at the voluntary initiatives, um, which were around the world, there were hundreds, you know, almost lost count of the number of initiatives for financial institutions. Um, there are many compelling reasons to do this. Um, one is to choose an initiative and then really understand the risks, the opportunities that you face as an organization with regard to climate change and have a framework to analyze those. And it also helps companies get prepared because many of these initiatives will move to mandatory over time, such as the task force the climate-related financial disclosures. So understanding and a better decision-making and being prepared are two key pieces. Um, but with these initiatives, and I should also say the, the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance is where a number of different asset owners, also asset managers as an equivalent, have signed uh, to commit to achieving net zero carbon emissions, usually by 2050. Many compelling reasons to do that, and the main areas to to focus on in the first order are 
data and looking at the data requirements and the measurement that's needed um, and also those actions so what action will be taken in order to meet net zero um, and I think maybe a, a few other comments if I may around this topic um, so one is um, the accounting standards board will be getting involved so I'm a chartered accountant and um, in international accounting standards, TCFD will be included in that. Now, I think data and standards are really important. These initiatives are really important, but they're only going to take us so far. We do need mandatory regulation um, and requirements which are mandatory. So I think accounting is a key part of that, um, and the regulators are becoming more involved too. So this move towards mandatory. Um, and two other brief thoughts. Um, another is is around greenwash, and I think with many claims that companies make, and we probably each have our pet favourite. There are lots of big bold claims being made by all sorts of companies at the moment. And as individuals, we can probably get a bit of a sense of with our smell. Our smell test doesn't quite feel right, and some of them feel a little bit disingenuous. Um, and so that's something I'm also quite mindful of is this overhype or greenwash um, around these topics and particularly um, looking at decarbonisation, not overhyping and having a really rigorous basis for the claims being made is really important. So that's something else um, sort of thinking about quite carefully and advising clients. And a final thought was on the, the reasons for doing this. And of course, there are very quantitative reasons. Um, as I said, the risks and opportunities being prepared for the move towards mandatory. But some of it's also quite human. Um, and I've been quite surprised in a way, but since I started my own personal move towards ESG, environment, social governance, towards sustainability, towards working on climate change after uh, over the past seven, eight years, um, there's a real strong sense with people that I speak to around purpose, um, the purpose of the organisation, and also as an individual. Um, and that includes thinking about um, future generations. You know, will I be a good ancestor? What have I contributed during my career? What are the topics I've been working and spending my time on? And so I think there, there are many quantitative reasons, but there's also these very human more qualitative and social reasons for being involved in these topics too. Thank you so much for sharing. That was really, really inspiring. And in a way, it lends me to the final question today. And this is if someone is listening now and they are employed in the financial industry, perhaps, um, they, what would be your recommendation? What can the listener, what can the individual do today to drive um, towards a sustainable transformation in the organization and to accelerate positive societal change? Yeah, and there's a few different thoughts I have there. Um, one is for companies and financial organizations, there's a difference between communications, brand, marketing, it's all good stuff, and reporting. They're two different things, and reporting and accounting is having that fair, balanced, fact-based view, talking about all the good things which an organization's had, what went well in a quarter or a year, 
but also talking about what went wrong, what didn't happen as expected, and the things which uh, maybe will be discontinued. So I think one observation is just to be mindful of the difference between those two things and not conflating them. Of course, they inform one another, but with reporting, it's been really clear about both positive and the negative impact of work in this space. So that's, that's one important element. Another is transparency. And with sustainable finance, it's important to be prepared to give additional transparency in order to, to win trust, to give an indication of how you're progressing as an organization on that movement towards the low carbon economy. Um, so that's a bit more organizational. Um, then if I think more individually, and unfortunately we're in a society where there's a lot of action and a lot of reliance on, on the individual, um, there are many different um, initiatives, non-profit initiatives um, that can be joined. Uh, so for instance, there's the Transparency Task Force, which works with the financial sector. Um, there's also the Good Life Goals, which is sort of the UN Sustainable Development Goals written for individuals, and also areas and recommendations to look at your own financial footprint and who you bank and invest with. Um, so for example, Make My Money Matter, so a few initiatives to take a look at there. And also, it's not to lose sight of the fact we all do have power in who we choose to give our custom to and how we choose to do that and make comments if we're not happy about something. And we also have power with our vote, our political vote. Um, and this influences as well different companies and the regulatory environment. So as individuals, we do have these tools and we, we need to use them and, and make our voices heard. And quite often when I sort of think about these topics and, and what I'm doing, I, I look for a bit of inspiration to my small niece and nephew. My, my niece is four months old, Naomi. Uh, my nephew is four years old in September, Lucas. And I think in the future, how will they look back at this time? What will they say about yeah. what I was doing and the, the contributions I've made? And I think that's always a, a lens that I try to, to look at the world. Really, really, really nice. And um, well, I can't speak for them, obviously, but I I already feel incredibly inspired by your story, by the work, by your passion, your energy, and just the substance you're bringing to this topic and how you are helping to educate um, our listeners, your clients, and, and spearheading an initiative for a very long time, starting at HSBC, now at South Pole. I am so grateful for your time. So grateful that you made it the double digit meeting today <laughs> and you so deserve a wonderful evening. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. And if I could say a big thank you to you and to everyone listening, I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by some fantastic people who I work with, friends, colleagues. And so I'm very fortunate as well. I, I really can't take all the credit myself, but thanks to you and it's important that we have these discussions share um, and talk because that's where you're going to get to some of these solutions absolutely many many thanks we really appreciate you staying with us until the end of the episode 
If you like the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. And if you don't want to miss any new episodes, subscribe to the podcast. Also, we'd love to hear your feedback. Do you have any questions for our guests? Do you want to nominate a favorite company or just give us advice on how to improve the content for you? Then drop us an email at askresetmindset@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's askresetmindset@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon.